Welcome to the Alex Kennedy Podcast, which is part of the Basketball News Podcast Network. This is episode number 14. We post new episodes every week, so make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, check out basketballnews.com. Every day we're putting out great articles, videos, podcasts. We have 11 shows that are part of our Basketball News Podcast Network. We have shows like Kenyon Martin's Neat and Unfiltered, The Posecast with James Posey, Dishes and Dimes, Aton Thomas's podcast, The Rematch. And actually, there's a new show coming out on Monday called The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. So make sure to check that out. Today, I'm joined by one of the best centers in the NBA. He's an all-star with the Orlando Magic, and he's having another terrific season, averaging 21.1 points, 10.7 rebounds, 3.4 assists, and 2.4 threes. He ranks second in the NBA in box plus minus, second in value over replacement player, seventh in win shares, and 10th in PER. My guest is Orlando Magic center Nikola Vucevic. Vuce, thanks for joining me. How are you? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing great. Um, I want to talk about your Orlando Magic. You guys have the second best record in the NBA right now at six and two. It's even more impressive when you factor in the injuries that you guys have dealt with. Uh, the team has an elite defense, solid depth, a balanced attack on offense. What's been working well for you guys and how can you sustain this level of play? I think for us, the, the fact that we have continuity with you know, the pretty much the same team last couple of years, I think that's helped early on. You know, some teams are still kind of trying to figure it out, especially with the short training camp and everything. I think for us, we had a little bit of an advantage there, you know, because we were doing the, pretty much the same thing defensively with little tweaks, offensively also. So that that helped us, you know, uh, not having to go through kind of learning everything from the beginning. Uh, but I think that mainly has been our defense. I think defensively we've been very good. Uh, you know, we have you know, guys at all positions that can defend. We have good defensive uh, schemes and we have good team defense. So that's helped us a lot. Uh, that's what made the difference for us, I think, so far. And offensively, you know, we have nights where we're very efficient, some nights not as well. So we're still trying to figure out that end. But uh, I think, you know, our defense has to be kind of what we do. And uh, if we keep that up, you know, we'll, we'll give ourselves a chance. You know, unfortunately, you know, we, we lost Markel for the year. So that's going to be a huge hit for us. And, uh, and we'll have to figure it out without him. And it might take some time. But you know, it's always good to start, you know, uh, on a positive note. Yeah, I feel horrible for Markel. I was going to bring that up next. Um, you know, expected to miss the rest of the season with torn ACL. I feel like he can't catch a break. You know, he was playing so well, uh, and then this happens. It really sucks. But, you know, how how does that impact the team? And then how can you guys overcome that hurdle? It, it bears the team in many ways, you know, especially because he's, he's your point guard. So, you know, a lot of it, you know, goes through him. You know, he runs the team. And uh, it's difficult when you lose that guy, you know, to, to kind of, you can't really, you know, uh, it's hard to replace a player like that. You know, he's unique in many ways, you know, the way he can create for others. He's really to drive with his size and everything also in the defensive end. So we're for sure going to miss him, but I think that, you know, we just have to figure out a way to, to play without him. I think that we might have to change certain things offensively that we were doing, uh, you know, maybe play through some other guys a little more and things like that. But the thing that we can do it, the thing, and it's also part of this, the sleep this job we do is, as you know, people get injured or you know trade times or whatever happens, you have to figure it out on the go. And uh, you know we, that's what we have to do uh, now moving forward. Uh, and hopefully we, we can get it done soon. And obviously the thing that doesn't help is that we play every other day, so we don't have much time to practice and go through certain things. But so we just have to figure it out. I'm sure you know it's going to take some time to adjust. Uh, but you know, we think we'll, we'll be able to figure it out. And we have some vets that you know uh, have been in that position before. So hopefully you know. We can get it done, and we also know I think Cole Anthony be a great opportunity for him to come in and uh, take on a uh, bigger role. 
For sure. You mentioned, you know, the schedule. It's unique this year, condensed schedule. We just had a condensed off season. I'm curious, what what has that been like dealing with that? You know, I was talking to Larry Nance Jr. from the Cavaliers, and he was talking about how they're about to play five games in seven days. You know, in recent years, we've seen the NBA try to limit the number of back-to-backs and crazy scheduling quirks and things like that. But in a year like this, it's unavoidable after a condensed offseason. So what's it been like? I mean, I know there's been a lot of blowouts early in the season and some fans are kind of wondering how it's impacting the on-court product. What's it been like having such a weird schedule this year? I mean, it's, it's been a little bit of an adjustment uh, for sure, but I mean, it hasn't been too bad, honestly, for, for me yet. I mean, I think, you know, it is more condensed than we are usually. It was the last two, three years. They went maybe really tried to, you know, uh, look into that and try to give us, you know, more rest time in between games. Uh, but with the situation you know, in the world and everything and the way it's affected everything, I think it's probably the best way that it could be done. And uh, so we just have to, you know, uh, figure it out and go on with it. I think, you know, the, the blowouts and things like that were happening, you know, it's possible that you know, certain teams had, you know, quicker turnaround and maybe guys didn't get, you know, their game all, you know, uh, back to 100%, not in rhythm as much, you know, maybe not in shape as much as it usually would be if you have a whole summer and everything behind you. So there's some adjustments there and it takes time. And if you don't maybe had a bunch of games, you know, and uh, the days before, you know, you might not feel as good. So a lot of it, could, a lot of it could impact that. So I don't think, you know, this should be looked at as a, that big of a deal. I think it's still early and teams are still trying to figure it out. And, and with all the new protocols and everything, I'm sure, you know, it's affecting guys in different ways. So, just you know, get, have to give it some time so we all get used to it and get adjusted to it. And I'm sure as the season goes on, it'll get easier and it'll get better. Because uh, it's all it's new territory for everybody. But um, you know, it's just about, you know, you just have to figure it out. I mean, I mean, I think we're all you know, happy that we, we were able to do our jobs, that we can play, you know, regarding what, everything that's going on around the world. Uh, and that we can get fans, you know, something to look forward to. And so, I think that, you know, the NBA has done a great job so far about the protocols. They're, you know, really sticking to it. I think guys, also been, you know, for the most part, following the protocols and being safe. And uh, hopefully we can continue to do that and, uh, you know, finish the, have the season go all the way through and finish it in a, in a good way. For sure. I want to talk about your development as a player. You know, I've been so impressed throughout your career. You're one of those guys that every year you add something new to your game and, and you get better, you know, year after year. Every player talks about doing that and putting in the work in the offseason and taking that next step. But what are the keys to actually doing it and making that progress because I feel like that's kind of not something that every player can do but I mean you look at your career year after year you've gotten better every year what are some of the keys to making that happen yeah I think for me it just uh, you know I try to study my game you know as much as I can every year every off season uh watch what I've done well and I didn't do well what I can do you know to help myself going forward also experience has a huge part in it you know I think as year goes on and the more games you play and everything uh, the game just is easier for you, uh, slows down for you, you know, make reads that before you couldn't necessarily make. So all that helps. You know, it's not just one thing. It's, you know, it's not just, oh, I, I'm going to go to the gym and just do this move over and over and over until I get it. I think a lot of it goes into that. And uh, I think that's for me, just all that I mentioned, you know, kind of starting adding up. And every year the game has been, uh, you know, easier for me to play. Uh that experience, like I said, it's really been the biggest factor for me. I think uh, I've been able to, you know, play, you know, at a better pace now. Kind of reading the game, uh, having a better feel for certain things. You know, the comfort level, the confidence level, all that helps. And uh, but I just try to take a step. You know, every year in different areas. You know, it's nothing major, nothing that adds to my game. That's 
you know, mind blowing, but just little things here and there that help me. And I think I've, I've been able to do that. That's why I've been able to stay consistent and improve each year. In recent years, your three-point shooting was something that you prioritized and improved drastically. You know, we always hear, oh, imagine if this guy had a three-point shot or this guy needs to work on his shooting. But a lot of players have trouble adding that to their arsenal. You know, you went from barely shooting threes. You made seven threes during your first five NBA seasons to now becoming a great shooter. I'm curious, you know, now obviously you're, you're making 2.4 threes per game, shooting 44% from deep. Can you kind of walk me through that process of improving your three-point shot and what went into that? Because again, it's one of those things that guys try to do and some of them don't have the success that you've had. Well, it's, I mean, it's hard to just add, you know, a three-point you know, or any, you know, shooting ability from the outside if you've never really done it before. For me, it wasn't as huge as an adjustment because, you know, one of my best uh, qualities offensively was the mid-range. Yeah. I was, you know, I was always, you know, really good at shooting that and it was a big part of my game. So, to me, it was just making you know an adjustment, you know, shoot it, you know, from further out from three points. So I still, you know, I had like a, you know, good jumper. So it was just making that adjustment. Also mentally, I think that that that's one thing for me that kind of took a little bit is you know, each year I shot more and more, but it was also me trying to be more confident in myself to take that shot uh, if I miss one, two, or three to not go away from it. Also, you know, for for my teammates also to get used to me shooting those shots. You know, that was also used for me pop into the mid-range, which was a huge part of the NBA before. And I don't understand why it's not anymore, but it's a whole other subject. Yeah. Uh, and I was playing no post-up. I was playing different. So now that I stepped out, it's you know, also an adjustment for them. So I think it just took a couple of years for all of that to, to gel. And um, I mean, each year I just got more and more confident. You know, and every time I would have a big game shooting the three, you know, hitting a couple or hitting a big one in a big moment, it just helped me mentally and uh, helped me with my confidence to where you know, this year is really a year where you know, when I shoot him, I don't think about him as a three-point shot. I just think about it as any other shot. But like I said, you know, if you've never really been a shooter, it's hard for you to become one just out of nowhere because also there's always that mental hurdle. I think that's the hardest because, you know, if people never look at you as a shooter until you really start making those consistently, they're always going to treat you as a non-shooter and it can affect you in a, in a way, I think. So also, and also, you know, just your mechanics of your shot and stuff, that's huge. And so I feel like I had all that before from mid-range and you know, long two and all that. So, for me, it wasn't that big of an adjustment. You know, some guys, if you've never been a shooter, you can't just become that when you're, I think. So that's why you know, people would say that, oh, he needs to shoot and he's that. But he's never been one his whole life. You can't just become that. You know, it's a, it's a very difficult skill. That's why it's, you know, uh, people look for it so much and it's hard to find. I mean, teams that have shooting, you know, there's such a huge difference from teams that don't. So yeah. that's why, you know, it's, it's a luxury to have. And so, uh, you know, you can't just make it, you know, or you can't just work on it for one summer and be like, oh, I'm a shooter. There's so much that goes into it. Yeah, and it's totally different shooting it in games too versus in an empty gym oh, when you're practicing. Time, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Right now you're leading the NBA in catch and shoot points per game, catch and shoot field goals. You know, you doubled your catch and shoot numbers from last year basically so far. We saw the same thing during the playoffs too against the Bucks. You know, you were averaging 16 points per game just off the catch and shoot opportunities and attempting a lot of catch and shoot field goals. Um, you led all players. What went into that shift? And is that something that the coaching staff has emphasized? Yeah, it's something that they, they, they wanted me to do a lot more. I just felt like it helped, you know, myself and the team a lot, especially with the other players that we have around me, you know, uh, like Markel, Aaron, Evan, you know, Terrence, all those guys. It opened up the paint for them a lot and then give us more spacing. Uh, so it's something that we, they wanted me to do, and it took some time for us to, you know, figure it out and for me to get comfortable with doing that. And 
feel like that series against Milwaukee it really did help me, especially that game one when I hit I think five or six threes. Uh, and it's just, you know, when I hit those like that in a you know, big playoff game, just, you know, helped me realize that I can do it comfortably. And so, uh, I mean, to me, you know, oh, even though now I can shoot you no know, threes and I can shoot in different ways, to me, like my my bread and butter, like it will always be the mid range and the post up. That's what I like the most to do. And that's what I always, you know, go to if I really feel like I need a bucket, I need to get going or something. Like if I, so, but now that I've been able to add that, I think it's helped me a lot because, you know, now, you know, it, it's harder for the, you know, teams to guard me and other big men to guard me because it's harder to guard a big man that can shoot and really dribble and move, you know, with the ball is difficult enough for myself when I have to guard guys like that. So, something I just want to keep working on, add it to my game. And I think it really helps our team because we have a lot of guys that are really good drivers, they're really good in the paint. So, when I take my man out, to paint, you know, it opens up so much for us and it helps her often. So uh, I've just been trying to, to add that to my game and I think it's been working for us real well so far. For sure. One thing too, I mean, you do such a great job of protecting the ball and limiting turnovers. You know, you're averaging one turnover per game, 1.1 fouls, which is crazy considering how often the ball is in your hands. And last year you became the third player in NBA history to average 19 points, three assists and fewer than 1.5 turnovers per game. How do you work on that, and and how did you get so good at that? Because I feel like you know you just don't turn the ball over. It's it just something you know I, I pride myself on to make the right read. Uh, you know, not putting myself in situations where you know uh, I can turn the ball over, whether it's you know attacking off the dribble or passing. You know, not trying to make you know just the the hero ball pass. You know, try to make the right play. Even if it's just simple play. But I mean, I've always been trying to just play, you know, in a, in a simple manner, you know, make the game easy for myself, for my teammates, for everyone around me. And that's just something I enjoy doing. So, uh, no, not many part of my game are flashy or highlight real plays, but I feel like I'm a very efficient player and I just, you know, stick to it. And uh, sometimes I take a lot of pride in. But I think, again, it also goes, you know, back to the experience thing. I think over the years, like I said, just reading the game, uh, and playing all these games and having that experience behind me just helped me make, being able to make those reads better and improve that part of my game a lot. Because you know, turnovers are killers for a team. You know, when you have turnovers, yeah. it's just empty possessions, especially if they're live turnovers with the, where the team gets the ball and is able to just run fast break. It's hard for defense to get set up and everything. I mean, it's better to throw the ball out of bounds than give it to the team, you know, live turnovers. So something I just try to, you know, uh, be very careful with. And it's something also as a team, we always talk about not make sure we don't you know, turn the ball over and make, make sure you know, we, we get a shot up and we get ourselves a chance to set our defense if we, uh, even if we miss. So, I mean, I think, I think it's just, you know, I think my IQ just to be able to read the game and make the right play and play simple, I think it has helped me. Throughout your time in Orlando, not only have you developed so much as a player, but your role has changed a lot too. You know, early in your career, you were always talented offensively, but you were the number three or number four option, you know, scoring 13, 14 points a game. And then in recent years, we saw you become the number one option, the focal point, the whole offense is running through you, face of the franchise. You know, now once you get to that point, other teams are game planning to stop you, studying all of your tendencies and weaknesses. What was it like making that transition from role player to Focal point, uh, other team is, you know, focusing on just stopping you. I mean, honestly, like I had actually my uh, third year in Orlando, like every year in Orlando, I've like almost have taken a step forward. In my, but my third year, I averaged close to 20. Uh, and then my fourth year also with Kyle's, I averaged close to 20. So yeah. 
had and then like we had uh two years where i didn't average as much uh i think i was like I was a little under 17 or something like that we, we made some changes you know with the team and different we played a little differently so i wasn't getting the ball as much but uh i feel like since that year three i've always you know been one of the focus points uh, on the offense for the team i think you know teams always respected my game a lot and knew my ability you know to, to score in many ways to make plays for others uh so I feel like I have been no football for for a while, and um, I mean, I think early on it was more harder for me to make adjustments. I want to send double teams at you, when to crowd you, when to do different things. But again, I think it's just also that experience part. Over the years, you know, you're able to you know figure it out, make reads, you know, see what works, what doesn't. Uh, you know, now like I've seen much different double teams in the post. I know uh, you know where they're coming from, what I can do. And also, we work on it a lot as a team. If I get doubled, you know how, uh, what kind of movement we should have offensively. Where do what should guys be? So I have an idea, and uh, I think the chemistry that I have with a lot of my teammates also helps for me to make it easier for myself to get out of the situation. So I think just think every year you you learn from all the experiences you have, but uh, it, it's also you know uh, a sign of respect and something that I really you know enjoy having and. No, it's something that motivates you going into every game that you know you're going to be the focal point, but it's on you to you know, still be able to play. And uh, but I mean, it's the NBA. I mean, I have a lot of great teammates around me, and they also make my life easier with certain things we do. And so it's it's a mix of things, for sure. And switching gears a bit, I want to congratulate you and your wife because you had your second son just a few months ago, which is very Thank exciting. Um, so now you have a two-year-old and a newborn. Is it easier this time around now that? you and your wife have going back to that experience word now that you guys have more experience as parents is it easier in in many ways yeah but in other ways it's harder because you have two now you know with, with like the difference was with the first one we're like so obsessed with every little thing that yeah. you know, make sure everything is right you know if he's crying now why is he crying what's going on like if something is off like what is it now you're panicking for every little thing because you don't know it's your first time and i mean it, it's a you know it's how it's another human being so you can't just you know, take it easy so that, that was the biggest thing for us. It took us a little while to relax with the first one. And then when the second one came, it was harder because they're so close mm. uh, apart of age. So, you know, the other one is, he's two, but he's technically still kind of a baby. So, you know, you have to you know he doesn't really always get certain things uh, related to his little brother. So you have to manage both. And early on, that was a little bit difficult for us, but I think we, we did a pretty good job with that. And then uh, the second one, like the thing that's easier now is, we're kind of able to tell like, oh, if he's crying, oh, he's hungry or it's nothing or, you know, yeah. just need, like, it's little easy. You don't, you don't react to everything as crazy as you did before. Like, oh, he cried and then like, well, he'll be sleeping and he cries out of nowhere. And like before, we just always used to rush in a room and be like, oh, what's going on? And now it's like, <laughs> all right, give him some time and he comes down on his own. So little things like that, that you just figure out that, but it's, uh, I mean, to me, it's not it's just the greatest thing ever to happen to, to me and my wife and just seeing and grow and, experiences you go with that through that through with them and stuff like that it's been a lot of fun but uh yeah i mean it's uh it's just it's it's so funny we always talk about it and laugh how how we were with the first one and how hmm. now we feel like we're experienced player we experienced parents because we've been through it already so we know so much more yeah you're veterans now um i remember two years ago like right whenever you guys were about to have a kid you were telling me like i think he's gonna be really tall because i'm seven feet tall my wife is six feet tall are both your kids pretty big are my two-year-old um he's taller than some three four years old that wow uh, that we know yeah he's really tall he's big 
Uh, but it's funny because he's so big, but you can tell he's like little age wise. So <laughs> yeah. it's funny. Uh, and then like the other baby, like the three month old now, yeah, he, he's really big for his age. Uh, and so like, like, it's funny, like they always wear clothes are like, you know, like he's three months, but he'll wear clothes for like six months, nine months, things <laughs> like that. And so same for my two year old, he wears like for four year old clothes. So it's just, I mean, it was expected as it's normal. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're tall, they're big. Uh, but it's just funny when you see them with other kids, you know, he's so much bigger than some of his, like when he goes to school, he's so much bigger than some of his classmates but he's like still a baby. So it's just funny. But I mean, I was the same way as a baby. My wife was pretty big for her age as well. So I think it's uh, just normal. I love it. I was just curious. Uh, you'll be posting up with him soon, teaching him footwork and uh, all that stuff. Um, but <laughs> I love it. I remember when you entered the NBA, you were pretty shy. You're kind of quiet, but and you were also in a locker room with like Kyle O'Quinn, Glenn Davis, Al Harrington, like guys that, you know, were, were definitely more vocal, outspoken. You know, now with everything you've been through in your career, in your life, if you could give some advice to your younger self, knowing what you know now, what would you tell 21-year-old Vooch? That's a good question. Uh, it's funny. I, mean, I always look back and, like, I think, like, when I was, like, 24 or 5, when I had, like, two great years in a row, uh, how I thought that was, like, the time of my career. Now I look at it and I'm, like, such a better play. It's not even close how much yeah. I am as a player than I was then. but. You don't think about it then. Uh, I'd say you, uh, one thing probably um, to not to not be afraid to, you know, to to ask questions and learn, and not be afraid to say that I don't know something. I think you know, as you know, a professional athlete, elite athletes, when you get to the NBA at a young age, you know, you have such so much pride, and you think that you know it all. Especially in, in college, you were playing great and everything, and you get attention you think you know it all so just understand that you really don't and then that you know each year is going to get easier it's going to get better and then you just have to you know, be patient and uh you know work and uh wait for you know your time so i think i mainly just say that no no don't think that you know at such a young age i know it all already there's always room for improvement there's always room to learn uh i mean even i mean today i mean i'm 30 and 10 years in the nba and i feel like I'm learning new things every day. And things change, you know, the NBA changes, um, so much changes every year that you can learn always. And uh, so I think that's one thing. When I first got to the NBA, I felt like, you know, like uh, I'm, I'm such a good player. I was drafted. I was averaging 20 and 10 in college and this and that to where it really means nothing until you get to this level. So just understanding that part, I think that that's something that probably would tell myself to just uh, always be open-minded to learning more. And I think, I mean, that's the normal thing for everybody in life. You know, yeah. I think as you get older, you figure that out. But that probably because if I had that mindset earlier, maybe, I don't know, maybe it would have, you know, helped me earlier, maybe not. I think I was still okay with it. But if I, you know, if I thought the way I think now, it'd be much easier for sure. Oh, for sure. Oh, and last thing, you and I have talked over the years about, you know, how badly you wanted to make the playoffs. And then now you guys have made the playoffs, you know, back-to-back years, um, lost in the first round. What are your goals as a team and then individually this season? And how hungry are you to advance and go on a deep playoff run? But our goal is to make the playoffs. You know, obviously that's our, our main team goal. Uh, you know, we'll see how the season you know, develops and everything, you know, with some of the injuries we had. Yeah. Uh, but obviously we would like to go and you know, pass the first round. I mean, I think when you take two first six rounds in a row, it's not fun. Although it was big for us to just make the playoffs initially. Yeah. So we would like to go deeper but we'll see you know how, how the season develops so our main goal is to make the playoffs and then hopefully we, we can do some more significance when we get there 
And uh, for me individually, I mean, honestly, for me, it's always just, you know, try to have it in the year before, just you know, go from there. And then you know, hopefully, you know, I do well and the team, you know, uh, does well, you know, individual uh, things will come as well. But yeah, for me, it's just always, you know, try to take a step you know, forward in my game and then go from there. I don't like to, you know, set my goal, like I want to do this or that. I think yeah. it just takes my mind off, you know, the, the, the thing, the main thing, which should be just, you know, play the way I should play to have the team win. And then usually good things happen from that. Yeah, well, that approach is working. So definitely don't stray from it. I appreciate you doing this. Thanks so much. No problem. If you want to hear more episodes of the Alex Kennedy podcast, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also check out basketballnews.com for all of our great articles, videos, and podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by greensupply.com. With everything going on in the world, it's more important than ever to stay safe. At greensupply.com, you can purchase masks, hand sanitizer, and other important health and wellness products, which are all in stock with same-day shipping. Best of all, listeners get 10% off their order when you use the promo code ALEX at checkout. That's A-L-E-X for 10% off your order. They have KN95 masks, cloth masks, hand sanitizer, and other supplies like forehead thermometers and UV boxes. Visit greensupply.com today. That's greensupply.com.